Hey guys, and welcome to the Soto Mojo Podcast. This is Colby Patnode, and I'm joined, as always, by Ty Gonzalez. And uh, guys, you might want to buckle up for this one if you normally listen with your family around. Mm, you should be okay. You should be okay. Uh, because I have a nice little sound effect, which, you know, you could probably hear uh, in the matter of the next couple seconds to cover up any uh, uh, moments of frustration, let's call it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Ty, uh, you know, it's it's been a frustrating little run here for the Mariners, but how are you doing? You know, man, uh, <laughs> I... Uh, I let's just get into it and then I'll, I'll tell you how I'm doing. Okay. So guys, this is, yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. So on today's podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about um, what can charitably be described as Scott services idiocy on display last night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, we're going to talk a little bit about the Austin Adams trade that went down uh, late last week. Uh, just give you a little mini scouting report on him from what we've been able to gather. Then we're going to get dive into the uh, the upcoming roster crunch. Kyle Seeger is looks like he's about to start his rehab assignment any day now. Um, and then 20 days from then, he'll have to be back up with the Mariners or back on the DL uh, if he has a setback. And then also Wade LeBlanc is starting to throw. Um, there's a pretty good chance we see him here in the next week or two. Um, and that obviously leads to the question of who do you send down and or how do you make room on the 25 man roster for those guys? Um, so we'll, we'll dive into that as well. And then uh, we finally we have a couple questions that we're going to get to um, from our listeners. We have uh, Colton, uh, son of Cornelius Vogelback. Uh, he sent us a fun little question. And then, of course, Jordan uh, also sent sent us a question. So uh, we'll get to those at the end. So, Ty. I don't think it's news to anybody that uh, neither you nor I are huge fans of Scott's service. Uh-huh. So let's just talk about what happened last night and let's let's just get into that. Um, I guess I'll just ask you, um, why is Scott's service so stupid? What did he do? Uh, <laughs> I mean, all right. You can clearly see that Anthony Swarzak has no confidence whatsoever right now. The dude gave up a uh, a flyout to Clint Frazier and squatted on the ground like he gave up a, a game-timing home run. That's how much confidence he has right now. The ball didn't even get to the warning track at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he literally acted like... <laughs> The guy has no confidence. You are watching this as Scott Service. You are watching this happen in front of you. This guy's confidence is in the negative. And you're just like, oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> are you serious, dude? Okay, but you know what? I want to talk about something real quick. Why was the game not called? <laughs> yeah, they, Why came was... back. they came back Why... and it was just the weather was worse. I know it was an hour and 20 minute delay or something. And then it started raining again. As soon as they were done, as soon as they took the tarp off, why was that game not called? The, and, and you knew as soon as the tarp came off, they were going to lose. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that was when it was two to one, but even when it was four to one, 
And I knew when 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 Brandon Brennan gave up that that um, wild pitch, the wild pitch, yeah, the wild pitch, when he just needed to stay <laughs> stay on the plate, didn't need to didn't need to throw that pitch right there, oh and two, but okay, you know, uh, let's get cute, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you knew when it was four to two, it was like, okay, all right. They got a freebie there. So, uh, they're, they're, you know, they're going to make you pay for that. Um, yeah, I hate this stadium. (laughs) I want to leave. I want the Mariners to never play here ever again. This, it just sucks. It's just, there are so many bad memories here over the last few years. And Scott service is one of the main reasons why. And, uh, dude, just, what is his problem with not putting Elias in at the right moment? Like, right. This is just, the second time now in a matter of what five days. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He did it in the Cleveland series. Um, and like I said, you talk about Swarzak. Uh, in his last six outings, which spans all the way back to April 18th, by the way. So it's not like he's been overused by any stretch. Um, in his last six outings, in five innings, he has given up nine hits, ten runs, seven of them earned. He's walked six, only has three strikeouts, and has given up five home runs in his last five innings. For those of you math experts at home, that's a 12.60 ERA. That is in an opponent's slash line of 360, 484, 960. And you want to bring him in to try and say... <laughs> two-run lead against the middle of the order when you have Rowanis Elias, who has been your best reliever by far, ready to go in the bullpen. And we're supposed to sit here and go, oh, well, you know, that's that's how it works. Or, oh, you know, the right... It, there's just... There's no excuse for that level of stupidity. What yeah. is he... I, I wanted Swarzak to face the righties. Well, guess what? <laughs> Ronis Elias is significantly better against righties than Anthony Swarzak right now. It's not even close. In fact, Ronis Elias is better against righties than he is lefties. So, no, try again. Well, you know, Swarzak's got the, uh, the most experience. A lot of good that did him. Yeah. Swarzak's been had a good major league season, what, one, twice in eight years? So, yeah, the experience. Oh, oh, that's great. That's fantastic. You know who didn't have experience last year and he still gave him the ball every freaking time in the ninth? Edwin Diaz. So I guess experience isn't really that necessary if you're going to be a closer, is it? It's just so stupid. And by the way, where the f*** was Braden Bishop in the ninth inning? Why yeah. wasn't he playing center field? Yeah. We could have a whole separate conversation about why he wasn't in the starting the game to begin with. Yeah, because well, you even you even think about that that um, the the double uh, after um, which should have been the the called third strike on on. Was it Frazier or, or Shella? It was one of those two. Yeah. Um, do you remember the play that I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. So if if uh, if Bishop is in center and Hanniger is in right, that ball's caught. That ball had a 190 XBA. Yep. Like, <sighs> I mean, yeah. Like, like you've been saying, you know, on, on the podcast and on Twitter and everything that. Why why did you call him up if you're not going to play him because this okay now this this is a prospect this is if this year is about stepping back and seeing what you have and everything 
Why aren't you seeing what you have? We don't give a fuck about what Jay Bruce is doing. Like we don't we don't care anymore. We know what we have there. And yes, you got to get him as a bat so you can trade him and whatever. Who cares? So you can get your fucking special little C prospect for him. If that. Yeah, like so like whatever. But Bishop needs to play at least four times a week if you're going to have him up. At least and he absolutely has to be the a defensive replacement. So he, if he's not hurt, that's just fucking stupid. Because last year, uh, Service had no problem with using defensive replacements late in game. Mm-hmm. Guillermo Heredia, Ben Gamble, both of those guys came in as defensive replacements last year on a consistent basis. And you're telling me that you won't e- you won't even let Braden Bishop play the outfield in the ninth? Because if that ground ball from uh, from DJ LeMahieu is hit to Mitch Haniger, Cameron Maidman is f***ing out at home. More than likely. Like you said, just Haniger's much better arm. Uh, Bruce doesn't have a bad arm, but Haniger has a plus arm. Um, Haniger also gets that ball fast. Yeah, too. he's also a better athlete, so he's going to charge that. Because if you notice, Bruce almost stops moving his feet a little bit to ensure that he fields that ground ball cleanly. And that little tiny... That little tiny hesitation is a big difference when you're talking about the game-winning run at the plate. So, you know, it just we're seeing this with service, and I don't know if he's trying to protect guys or what's the deal here, but he won't use Braden Bishop off the bench. Um, he won't start Daniel Vogel back against left-handed pitching. He's apparently, it appears at least, that he's not going to start Braden Bishop against right-handed pitching. He's only done it once, and that was against... Chase Anderson on a bullpen on a known bullpen day. Um, but the other three opportunities he's had to start him against legitimate right-handed pitchers, big league pitchers, he hasn't. So if you don't think he's ready to face those guys, why the hell is he up here? It doesn't make sense. If you need a guy to be a fourth outfielder and just barely ever play, if that's your goal, just put Eric Young Jr. on the 40 man and then DFA him when you need the spot. Eric Young Jr. is not a prospect. He's not going to give you anything. There's nothing new you're going to learn about Eric Young Jr. So you bring him up, you put him there, and if you're not going to if you're going to go roll into the ninth inning up by two and you're going to put Jay Bruce in right and Domingo Santana in left, then you don't care about Bishop's defense. Bishop is either the best or second best defensive player in your entire system. It's between him and Evan White. All right. Evan White's not on the big league team. He may not be this year. Probably not this year. Braden Bishop is without question. It's not even close. He is the best defender on this roster right now. Hmm. Regardless of position, he's the best defender. Period. D. Gordon is probably a 55-60 grade second baseman. Not even close to Braden Bishop in center field. Not even close. And to just sit there, so you just start compounding these. You put this stupid pitching decision on top of a stupid defensive decision, and you just start sitting there and you go, you know, what the hell is Service doing? Is is he this incompetent? Because unless Braden Bishop is sick or injured, uh, there's no reason for him not to start that game, and there's definitely no reason for him not to come in in the eighth or the ninth. Because I'm guessing. The reason, 
a reasoning behind it is it's like, well, if case the game went into extras, we wanted Bruce's bat or whatever, Santana's bat and lineup still. Who cares? Why are you planning for you have the lead in the ninth? Planning for extras goes out the window. You had the lead in the ninth inning. You do everything you can to keep it. And that doesn't mean you put in your fucking worst pitcher, your worst bullpen arm, and your worst defensive unit possible out on the field. Narvaez was catching. He's not as good as Tom Murphy. You had Jay Bruce and Wright. If you want to keep Jay Bruce in the lineup, then put Domingo Santana on the bench. I don't care which one of them comes out. I trust Jay Bruce to catch a fly ball right now more than I trust Santana. So put Bruce in left and put Hanniger in right and put Bishop in center. What are you doing? It just, I just, yeah. I don't get it. I really don't get it. And like, I mean, seriously, is there a pitcher in the Mariners bullpen right now that you trust less than Anthony Swarzak? Maybe Mike Wright just because of his history, but even Mike Wright. Uh, Been a lot better I, than than yeah. Swarzak. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and another note on, on Swarzak. You know, right now the Mariners bullpen is 28th in the major leagues in, in F4. They have a negative 0.5. Mm-hmm. Without Anthony Swarzak, they would have a plus 0.3. That would be 20th best, which, I mean, still isn't very good. But, I mean, considering, you know, Ruben Alanis and Hunter Strickland right. and all those guys that have affected that, one pitcher <laughs> has made your bullpen that much worse. It really is something. I just... Like I said, and it's... I even and I even talked about this last Friday mm-hmm. on, on in my article that Swarzak, according to Fangraphs, is a ticking time bomb. And guess what? The, his last two appearances since I wrote that article have been dog. <laughs> so yeah, and I mean, you look at the dude; he's just uncomfortable on the mound. He has no <laughs> confidence whatsoever. None. None. Again, the Clint Frazier hit that was just a simple line out. Yeah, he, he, you know, put some good wood on it, but still, it was a f-ing line out, and it was clear as day that it was a line out. And he acts like it was like he just gave up a game winning home run in the World Series. That's how much his confidence is shot. He's scared on the mound right now. Don't go to him in the ninth. Don't. Yeah, you know when the appropriate time to throw Swarzak would have been in this series? When they were down 7-3 to three in the ninth yep. inning last yep. night. You know, you, But no, you had to use Connor Sadzik, who's been one of your best relievers, in a situation where you knew you weren't going to win that game, and you still threw him out there for two innings? Why? Yeah. Why? That is Swarzak's job. That's Mike Wright's job. That's Corey That's Geary's Corey. job. Yeah, and that was another thing. Why and I know he got out of it, but why the f- was Corey Guerin the option after the rain delay? Why why was service like oh yeah that's the guy we're going to right now? Right, I just well Corey Guerin's been really solid this last ten or so times out. He had those really rough two times out, and he had he was but he's been solid since then. But is he the guy you want protecting a two to one lead? No, no. Like, what are you doing? This is, it's so maddening. And then, you know, and again, like, this game should have been called because Brandon Brennan clearly couldn't grip the ball. Mm -hmm. Same for Marco in that last inning. Yep. But, yeah, I don't know if this is because it's in New York or whatever, but that game probably gets called in most stadiums. I'm just being real. 
that was nearly an hour and a half delay on a night game on the east coast on the east coast with the with rain pouring down pitchers clearly not being able to grip the ball because like I, I was watching the game with my wife right uh, last night and i'm like okay all right you know when the when the tarp came out i was like okay we won i was like yay you know like there's no way that they're not gonna call this because it's pouring down rain <laughs> like why did that happen why did that game continue it's just it just everything about that game was just insanely irritating insanely irritating and i've been one to be very reserved about my emotions with this team because i went into the season knowing to expect that this team was probably not going to be very good and even when they went 13 or 2 i didn't really get fooled by that necessarily but last night was fucking ridiculous. That was just stupid. It really was. And sometimes it feels good to vent, man. So that's that's good. I got uh, I got 18 timestamps out of that. So I got some editing to do um, yeah. afterwards. I hope you guys enjoy that lovely sound I picked. Uh, Ty hasn't heard it yet, so <laughs> he'll figure out what it is right when. Uh, I have a couple. I have a couple. I might mix it up, but uh, I picked one that. I, I told Ty was quote very millennial, so uh, we'll see. We'll see if you guys like it or not. Um, but yeah, just overall, just a terribly frustrating game. Um, just and it's just capped off a really terrible run. They've lost eight of nine, and like so, what makes that worse is is that they could easily have won five or six of those. Oh, Alexa wants to chime in. <laughs> they could have easily won five. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa shut up <laughs> shout out to Alexa she was like I'm not sure about that neither are we neither are we yeah, Alexa neither are we. <laughs> so that's that's weird um, she mouths off one more time I'm going to go and plug her um, so yeah just horribly more editing for me to do yay um just how oh, we're leaving that we're leaving that in we're leaving yeah. that in. all right that's in that's in you're you just heard it guys uh so <laughs> i don't even know what it was just telling me the birth of what's their name in england i don't know oh whatever. okay whatever maybe whatever i don't care um so yeah like i was saying they could easily won five or six of those games mm-hmm. um you know they're lost eight of their last nine realistically they could have won six of their last nine against really good teams. Um, and so that's, that's the frustrating part because it just seems like Scott isn't putting his players in the best position to uh, perform. And it's just, it's so backwards because it's, he said, you know, 2019, it's about finding out what our young guys have, but we can't hit Daniel Vogel back against a lefty, even though he's only got 16 at bats against lefties in the big leagues this year. We can't play Braden Bishop against right-handed pitching, even though right-handed pitching makes up 65 to 70% of all starters in baseball. But we're mm-hmm. just going to call him up just because? Like, yeah, yeah you know, that's oh, another we, we thing. That what, I... We have to see what young guys have. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to put in our oldest veteran reliever in the ninth inning at Yankee Stadium. Why? You want to see if Rowan Elise is part of your future? You want to see if Connor Sadzik is a part of your future? Throw them in there. Brandon Brennan, you wanted to use against the top of their order. Fine. That's I don't have any issue with pitching Brennan in the ninth. 
I don't. That was that's the good time to use your best reliever. And what you were saying about Bishop is exactly, you know, that's, that's what I fear is that they're calling up guys just to call them up. Yep. That's what it feels like, you know, like, and I'm fine with them calling up Eric Swanson and letting him pitch and everything, but, you know, calling up justice Sheffield instead Mm -hmm. of Tommy Malone is a questionable decision. It was fun. It was fun to see still a questionable decision. Uh, you know, Braden Bishop, uh, even guys like David McKay and stuff like that. Like, if you're going to call them up not to use them, mm-hmm. like, why waste the, especially if you're adding guys to the 40 man for no f-ing reason. Right. Another time, another time, Sam. Sorry. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it, 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 just play them. It's just because again, like I said earlier on the best you're probably going to get for Jay Bruce is a relief prospect. Maybe, maybe. And, and you know, I, I mean, like I'm sure some team will trade for him because he's, you know, he hits stingers. So, you know, and some teams still value that for some reason, (laughs) but, um, you know, other than that, it's like, what do you get out of this? Right. What do you get out of out of sitting Braden Bishop in favor of Jay Bruce? What do you get out of like even even when it comes to Santana and Santana is Santana is one of the team's best hitters, but again, like you said, why why are you playing for extra innings? Mm-hmm. That's like that's like it that's like a team that's like a football team getting the ball back with a minute fifty and three timeouts and just running the ball. Overtime. Yeah, you're you're still gonna have to win that game, you know. Um, so I just, it's just the whole last night was just kind of the, the boil over point for me, um, and you know it really has nothing to do with the third. I know a lot of people are upset because they started thirteen and two and then they've turned to this. That doesn't really bother me at all. Um, like I said, I think we both have been pretty consistent in saying it's probably about a 500 roster, and then depending on how your luck goes, five games in either direction maybe, and that's pretty much it. And, you know, their record shows that that's what they are. Their run differential shows that's about what they are. Um, but, yeah, just it's frustrating to me because this is at the very least the second time that Scott Service's ninth-inning management in particular has cost you a win in the last four days, or at least didn't put you in the best position to win in the last four days. And in this the streak where they've lost eight of nine, they could have swept Cleveland. That's totally, that was a real possibility. They could have won all three of those games. They could have won last night's game against New York. Mm-hmm. They could have won that game against, uh, one of those games against Chicago. Now you're looking at it and now you're saying, oh, instead of, you know, one and six or whatever, you're four and three. And how much different are you feeling if the Mariners start this little 25 game trip that we t- talk so much about? What if they were four and three instead of one and six? Uh-huh. You'd be feeling pretty good about this team. Like, hey, yeah, they're hanging in there with these really good rosters. They're hanging in there and they are hanging in there. They're just not finishing. So it's just, it's so frustrating. And by the way, my math is wrong. That would be five out of seven, but I'm stupid. So. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just frustrating. So, um, hopefully the Mariners can turn things around tonight. Um, 
And by that, I mean, hopefully Scott service isn't allowed in the clubhouse, but uh, we all know that's not going to happen. So anyways, that's, that's probably going to end the most R rated uh, part of our podcast. I I got 19 timestamps and about, 24 minutes so we did pretty well there uh (laughs) (laughs) so anyways uh let's go let's jump ahead to uh to the trade the mariners recently made um kind of an interesting roster transaction all the way around here um so first and foremost uh in chronological order the mariners dfa'd and apparently lost on to a loss to the red sox uh joey carletta the first base prospect big power um, was the Texas League MVP last year, really crushed it, uh, got off to a really slow start in Tacoma. There's some legitimate questions about his bat speed, and he's not a, he's not a great defender either. Um, so pretty much he needed to hit a lot of home runs to have value at the big league level. And there were serious concerns about his bat speed translating to the big leagues. Um, but anyways, they DFA him, which was weird because the roster was at 39 players. So they had an open 40-man spot, but they DFA him, lose him. Uh, then they go ahead and they trade uh, Nick Wells, a young lefty who's kind of been stagnant in the Mariners' system. He's got some decent stuff, uh, but just hasn't really figured out how to use it yet. Um, he's 22, 23 years old in high A ball. They trade him for Austin Adams, who is a 28-year-old uh, right-handed relief pitcher, throws hard 96 to 98 with a power, power slider. Uh, and very, very little control, but, uh, just, it's kind of a weird day. Um, so Ty, I I know, you know, you're kind of just finding out about Austin Adams, but, uh, what do you think of that uh, acquisition? Yeah. I mean, you know, you've seen the, the Mariners, um, look at guys like Adams, you know, when you think about Sadzik and Brennan and all these guys that have certain tools that they, that they believe that they can um, really harness um, and help, you know, push forward. So, you, you know, you look at Adams and you look at the slider and you look at the fastball and you, and you look at his success over the years in the minor leagues um, that can play as long as the Mariners uh, work on his command. And, you know, as we were talking about pre-show, if you can get that command, because right now it's like a 35-grade command, uh, which is what has really held him back, it, it seems. Um, if you can get that up to a 45, you know, 40-45 command uh, with that kind of stuff that he has, that's, you know, potentially a late-inning reliever for you. Um, to to put in that group with Sadzik and Brennan and and Elias, and you know I, I and again I wrote about this on Friday. You know the Mariners have these um, building blocks in place. They have this foundation in place to make a solid bullpen for not mm-hmm. not just you know uh, years later, but for now for the present and. Um, and you know Adams is another guy that can fit into um, that group really well, and and they clearly see something in him. They clearly saw enough to DFA Carletta, if that was why they DFA Carletta, and to give up Nick Wells, who you know has struggled Tools. greatly, but Just has tools. yeah he has some things that you can work with. Uh, that you know, that's an interesting guy to give up 
on. But um, yeah, Adams, uh, you know, and I'm sure, you know, he's 28 years old, so he'll be up with the team at some point this year, oh, you yeah. would assume. So that's, that's a guy that you'll see relatively soon and can be another one of those young controllable pieces to fit in your bullpen for years to come. If, if that's, you know, what you're trying to do here. And because that's, that's going to be the, the hardest, but also kind of the easiest thing to put together at the end of all of this. And I think the strategy to build this bullpen with young arms already here in 2019 is really interesting. It's something that I didn't totally expect from Jerry DePoto to be this aggressive in building a young bullpen, especially early on in the season, what he's made four trades now, five trades, and like three of them have been for relievers. So, uh, I mean, it makes sense. And it's, I don't know. It's, it's really, it's really interesting. Just the whole strategy of it all. It is, um, you know, the strategy appears to be, uh, find guys with power stuff and then we will teach them how to pitch. Um, and you know, sometimes it's, it's not something that their old team wasn't doing. It's just something that the player wasn't willing to accept or had heard or, you know, they, they tell a story uh, on TV the other day uh, about Connor Sadzik, and um, he came over from the Rangers organization, very similar to Adams, kind of an older guy, um, relatively speaking, uh, throws really hard. He's got the a great slider, power slider, fastball in the upper 90s, um, strikes out a lot of guys, but walks a lot of guys, and that's basically Adams' profile. Um, and so they brought Sadzik over, and He's been the Mariners, probably what one of their three best relievers with Brennan and Elias. Like he's right in yep. that camp right now. Yep. Um, and you know they they uh, they played the Rangers, his old team, and they they talked to uh, they talked to uh, who's the Chris uh, not Chris Woodward Chris, the yeah yeah they talked to the manager and they say hey man um, what's what happened to Connor Sadzik? He was never like this for you guys. And they said, and he said, well, you know, um, he's throwing his slider a lot more, which is something we asked him to do for us. <laughs> and he just didn't. Uh, so sometimes mm-hmm. it's just a different voice just telling you, Hey man, look, or it's a better sales pitch. It's like, Hey man, if you do this, we really think you can make something here. And do you think that's due in part to, to DePoto's experience as a reliever in his maybe. career? I think I think that may be part of it because uh, it's a lot easier for him to you know relate to these guys. He's a player, you know. He he was in the big league shuffle. He did that all that, so maybe. And I think a lot of it is is that he's really trusting his analytics guys this year um, because Brandon Brennan, by all accounts, was the analytics department's find. They found yeah. him. They saw the change up, and they said, "We need this guy." Um, right. So, and I'm sure they did the same with Connor Sadzik because. You look at like Jerry Depoto above all else it used to be very easy to pick out a Jerry Depoto pitcher and it was basically high strikeouts uh, strikeout over 8 and a walk rate below 3 per 9 innings that's a Jerry Depoto pitcher um well that didn't that wasn't Connor Sadzik he had the strikeouts but the walks were out of control and they convinced him to throw a slider more they may have made some mechanical tweaks, 
little tiny ones, but I think it's part in part the analytics department. I also think uh, Paul Davis, the pitching coach, does a really nice job. He's a very analytical guy. He was in charge of the Cardinals analytics uh, on the pitching side of things uh, throughout their entire organization. That's his background. So um, I think we're starting to see some the analytics team in Seattle really start to step up. Um, and remember, Jared Poto gave credit to the analytics team for J.P. Crawford. Said that was kind of their guy that they wanted. Um, they gave huge credit to that group for uh, Jake Fraley for finding him. That was a guy that they wanted. Um, so I think it's I think I think Topoto being a bullpen arm, I think it helps. I think it gives him an eye, um, or at the very least, maybe an inside track or something, uh, because Topoto does seem to f- find these really good bullpen arms uh, for cheap. And I mean, the only guys that he's missed on are the guys that he spent money on. And Nicasio yep. and uh, Scrabble. Zip. Yep. Yeah, Zepchinski. Uh, and even Nicasio was better than his numbers. In the, but you know what I mean. It just, other than those yep. two guys, he's pretty much nailed it. <laughs> so, yeah. so, I mean. Speaking yeah. of Nicasio, man, that guy's been bad for the Phillies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's yeah. not surprising. Um, now, so, I, I got a little piece of trivia here, and I want to see if you know it. Um. Do you know Jerry Depoto's career F4? Or you want to take a stab at it? 0. 0.2. 5.1. Huh? Okay. Jerry Depoto Jerry Depoto was a uh, he played 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 seasons. So, I mean, not terrible for a reliever. Yeah. Jerry Depoto one year in uh, 1997 he had 16 saves. And was worth 1.7 F4. Wow. Year for the Rockies. Jerry DePoto, not a, not a bad reliever in baseball. Good for Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it may play a role there um, as well. But they said Jerry's really done a good job of uh, acquiring these interesting arms. And it's not even just those guys we mentioned. You know, he, I believe he was the group that drafted Wyatt Mills. Um, he drafted Matt Festa. He drafted Joey Gerber. Uh, he's traded for Nick Rumbelo. He traded for James Pazos. And he got David McKay for a dollar. He got Gerson Bautista in that deal um, in the Cano-Diaz uh, trade. Um, so, yeah, when Jerry acquires a reliever, it's probably worth paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it may not work out, as a lot of prospects don't. But Jerry seems to have a pretty good track record with these relievers, so I would keep an eye on Adams. I really do expect him to be up pretty soon. Um, now you got you got to feel fairly confident in their ability to turn Garrison Batista around uh, because of what the, this team has done with some of these relievers. I mean, you know, Batista's command issues have been a huge problem, but the dude throws in the triple digits. And he doesn't tickle it either, as uh, <laughs> one would say about Taylor Hearn. <laughs> so, you know, it's... Uh, oh, I, boy. That's the new <laughs> meme of the website. Uh, so, uh, I mean, you, you gotta you got to be ex- somewhat excited about the potential of this bullpen. And, you know, the pieces that they can add to it along the way. But also what they can develop in-house and potentially yeah. trade later on. Right. And that's the thing is that, um, you know, my question is, I, I know the, well, you got to pitch Swarzak so that you can find a trade partner for him. Do you really? 
Because really, what what, yeah. what is Swarzak worth right now on the trade market? Nothing. 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 No and, one's trading for him. No, and it's a sunk cost. Like he's got one year left on his deal. He's probably at about I think it's a seven million dollar contract this year. So he's probably he's like, at th- six million, five million, somewhere around there left on his deal. Yeah. Yeah. The Mariners can eat all of that, and they might get. I don't know, $250,000 in international bonus money. Like I'll take that. I've been, <laughs> yeah, I would too. But like, the point is, is that like, you're not going to get anything for Swarzak right now. Now there's not a great need to, to DFA Swarzak. Um, because you know, you do still need big leaguers to, to eat those innings, particularly in the middle. But um, I would rather have Matt Festa, especially is Festa not starting in Tacoma? Is he still he's, relieving? He's still relieving. Things have not gone well there, but David McKay, I'd rather have McKay right now. Yeah. I'd rather give Nick Rumbelow a shot. I'd rather give Dan Altavilla a shot, who's a name we haven't even mentioned. Um, you have Gerson Bautista. He started his rehab assignment. So is Sam Tui Valala. Uh, Hunter Strickland is probably about a month away. Um, you have guys coming back and guys coming up uh, that can help you there. So, you know, this idea that, oh, well, you have to try and inflate Swarzak's value. You really don't. Because it's, it's only going to get so high to begin with. Um, like I said, there's not a big reason to do it right now. But if we get into late May and this roster crunch, which is a good transition there, <laughs> um, you know, that, that could be an option. So don't don't sleep on that. So uh, let's talk about a little bit about that roster crunch. Uh, we have two uh, Mariners coming back, big leaguers, coming back in what seems like three weeks max. Um so uh, they are, of course, Kyle Seeger and uh, Wade LeBlanc. Let's start with Seeger. Um, he has not yet gone off on his rehab assignment. That is, that is expected to happen any day. Um, and if you guys don't know, once a player starts his rehab assignment, you have 20 days to call him up. Mm-hmm. Um or unless you know he re-injures or he has a setback, then you can reset the clock if he doesn't play for, I think it's a week. You have to sit him for a week, and then the thing resets. So, um, okay. yeah, 20 days after he begins his rehab assignment, he has to be called up. He's eligible to return on May 25th off the 60-day DL. So 20 days from now would be the 28th, so you're fine there. Um, and it does sound like the Mariners are going to give him uh, most of the – uh, ext- they're going to give him the max, uh, which makes sense. Uh, so he'll be so in about 20 days by June 1st, let's just say Kyle Seeger will be ready to go barring setbacks and he'll be back on the Mariners. Well, that leads to an interesting question of who do you send down or who do you, how do you make room for Kyle Seeger? Because the 25 man roster is full. The 40 man roster does have an open spot. So when when you lift Kyle Seager off the 60-day 60, 60 DL, he'll go back on the 40-man. You won't lose anybody right now. Um, so that's not an issue as of this recording. Um, so, Ty, let's let's talk about a few of the possibilities here. What? Uh, how do you make room for Kyle Seager on this roster? Uh, Healy gets sent down. That, that seems to be the clearest option to me because Dylan Moore gives you more uh, positional flexibility mm-hmm. from a defensive standpoint. He's also a solid base runner um, to put in late game. Um, Healy really gives you no value um, off of the bench. 
there's just really no point in having him, especially when you have Jay Bruce and Daniel Vogelback and Edwin Encarnacion, these burly guys that, you know, crank a lot of dingers and all that. There's just no point um, in having four of those guys on your team um, right. when you can only realistically start them um, mm-hmm. or realistically only start three of them uh, every night. So, yeah, um, it, it it needs to be Healy. It should be Healy. I'm worried that it's probably not going to be Healy and it's going to be some move that's going to piss me off. <laughs> but that is that that's the obvious choice right to me right um you know the nice thing about healy is that he's got three options left yet he, he no no team's ever used an option on him so you can send him down um this year and you could even send him down the next year if you still have him and whatnot and uh you know if they do send him down i would uh, obviously you know he'd be in the lineup every day at that point i would continue to mix him in at first and third base um not because, you know, he's going to be a good third baseman or, uh, but it does add to some trade value if he can play third base and not embarrass himself. And for the last couple of weeks, he's been meh, over there, like not God awful. So, um, you know, if you can market him in the trade, you know, in a trade talks as a corner guy, first base or third base, that helps. So I would send him down, um, and continue to work him back and forth between those two spots. Uh, so that, that is the obvious one, but let's talk about a few other options that they do have. Um, one of them you mentioned, Dylan Moore. He does have an option left. Uh, I suppose the argument for sending Moore down would be that shortstop, uh, if Tim Beckham gets hurt or whatever, he has to come out of a game. You can slide D. Gordon to, uh, you can slide D. Gordon to short, uh, and you could probably put uh, Seager at second for a couple innings, and he's not going to kill you. Seager can handle second base. And then you would put Healy at third. Um, and like I said, I don't think that is a particularly good idea. Um, it's just, just really complicated. Right. And it's just, what what's the point of Ryan Healy being a bench guy? Like, Yeah, again, yeah, that's, that's the thing because he's not going to give you any base running value. He doesn't really give you defensive value, and even though they, you know, he's he has been somewhat surprising uh, at third, uh, but still he's not good. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's it's it has to be him. It really does. It just it any other move would not make a slice of sense. Unless, like, the other possibility, and I'm sure this is what you're going to bring up, is Braden Bishop, and then Dylan Moore is basically your fourth outfielder. Uh, but even then, that's still... Oh, uh... uh, that that's short-term, because you're going to have to bring back... I've always kind of penciled in Malik Smith for Bishop's spot. Yeah. Um, by the way, right-handed pitcher on the mound tonight for the Yankees. Guess who's not in the lineup? Yeah, I, I saw your tweet. Yeah. yeah. Just it's uh it's screw off. Like seriously, man. Send him yeah. down. Um so yeah, um the only other option I can uh foresee well two. Um they have eight guys in the bullpen right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of teams only carry seven. They have a couple of arms who can go multiple innings. You're past the point of the early seat, your starting pitching should be fine. 
um, in terms of they they they've built up their arm strength. They can get you innings. Um, so you can send down a bullpen arm or you know DFA Swarzak or um, send down whoever you like. Um, Chase and Bradford probably. Uh, so yep. that's an option. Or the other option is obviously the main. Like let's let's just take trade off the table for a second. Let's just assume okay. Jerry can't find a deal that he likes, right? I think the other, only other option is you DFA Jay Bruce, and I think that option it it's not. I don't think it's ideal because I. Well, and you know that they're not going to do it because right, he right. hits dingers, you know. So. Right, he's Jay like Bruce. one of the American League leaders in home run, you know, whatever. Yeah, so yeah, I just Jay Bruce to me though is because I have serious doubts that he's going to get you anything in trade just because he's still owed a lot of money. He still has thirteen million dollars on his deal after this year, so he's got that extra year. I just I don't know if he's ever going to do anything because if you hit thirty home runs, that's great, but if you do it with a two two fifty on base percentage. Nobody cares. You can't. You don't add defensive value. You don't add base running value. You just you're just there to try and hit a pitcher's mistake. Um, that being said, Jay Bruce I think is on a nice little run recently here um, over his last handful of games, which is nice. Hopefully, uh, it'd be great if he could get hot right now, and then by the time Seager's ready to to uh, come up, you're like, hey, look at this. We have you know Jay Bruce is hitting. You you interested in him? But yeah, I think Jay Bruce is probably the only other thing that makes sense aside from just sending Healy straight down. I just, I don't, again, taking trade off the table. Um, So yeah, I just, I don't know, man. It's just one of those things. So Jay Bruce's month of May right now, he is slashing, get this, 238, 238, 619. With a WRC plus of 124. <laughs> so. so, yeah, it's go. just, yeah. is it the bat, the on base percentage, if it could be up to 315 ish, you might be able to get something small for him. And, but at the end of the day, you have to assume, you just have to take Jay Bruce and assume that he's a lot, that he's just, he's a sunk cost. Mm-hmm. You cannot assume that you're going to get anything for Jay Bruce. Um, so you just eat that money and move on, uh, which I mean, it's not, it's not such a huge sum that the Mariners couldn't uh, do that. So um, we'll see. Uh, Bruce has certainly had some fun moments here. Um, Twenty-two hits, eleven of them are home runs. <laughs> uh, the five forty-five slugging, the eight eleven OPS. Um, I don't know. Like I, said, I like Jay Bruce. I think he's I think he's a pretty cool guy. Uh, I just, I don't see any value that he brings. I know that one day, uh, on this podcast, we're going to refer to him as Jay Bruce Mariners legend. Uh, <laughs> that's right. The same type yeah. of legend as Taylor Motter. Oh my God. The Motter pop. Dude, where is that guy? Last I what heard is... he was in Minnesota's minor league system. Let's, let's look at, he is with the Tigers double A team. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that month where he was really good and people were like, yeah, that was, an awesome it was like month. April or whatever. And I, I yeah. love Taylor Motter. He's one of my favorites. The hair flip was awesome. Yeah. Um, 
I can't even remember what it was. It was was Healy hurt or something. They're like, hey man, uh, Taylor Motter's probably the first baseman of the future now. So I mean, like, what do you? And it's like, uh, I love the guy too, but <laughs> no. Yeah, let me let me let me pull up his game log here from 2017. I think it was, was April that first month. He was just mashing everything. Um, but yeah, there you go. Taylor Motter reference on the Mariners After Dark t- style podcast. So there you go. Uh, you got it. Uh, here I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah, Taylor Motter in uh, here so either me, April me... or May. I think. I think it. Yeah. Okay. Taylor Motter through the first three weeks of the 2017 season slash 239, 314, 609 with a 143 WRC plus had four home runs, eight RBIs. So, and, and, uh, okay. Nine of his 11 hits were extra base hits. He had five doubles as well. Uh, the modder pop. I miss him. All right. Um, they should have brought him back last year. It couldn't have been any worse than Romine. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's let's move on there. So uh, I think we're both in agreement. The Brian Healy move is probably the best move. Um, at least it just makes the most sense, uh, barring a trade of some kind, which is it's Jerry DePoto, so you can't rule it out. Um, let's talk a little bit about somebody who might be back sooner than Seeger, uh, Wade LeBlanc. He's apparently throwing. Um, his injury happened about... It was a, almost a month ago, and the initial diagnosis was four to six weeks. Um, I believe it was Shannon Dreyer who tweeted the other day that he's not expected to need a lengthy rehab. He might get one rehab start before he returns to the club. Um, but again, that does open up an interesting question. Uh, if Wade LeBlanc comes back, what are you doing to the 25-man roster? And I think in particular, Eric Swanson. Yeah, I mean the, I mean the other option is DFA Felix, right? That's the only other option, or putting LeBlanc in the bullpen or Swanson in the bullpen, rather. Right. Um, let's let's wait. Let's just wait those out real quick. All right. Um, DFA and Felix Hernandez. I think we're both in agreement that that's not going to happen. Like, yeah, yeah. There's just no way they're going to do that. Uh, is it maybe the best thing to do, like from a pure baseball standpoint? Maybe, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think we're just we're we're just going to take the DFA Felix off the table because it's just not going to happen. Um, so we'll take that one off the table. Now let's talk a little bit about LeBlanc in the bullpen. What does mm-hmm. LeBlanc give you in the bullpen specifically that helps the team? Not a whole lot. <laughs> so he does have experience yeah. there. I mean, he yeah. Yeah, he has experience, but the type of pitcher that he is is just not built for the bullpen, really. It's um, not a high I'm, leverage guy. Yeah, and it's just, and you've got these guys that can go multiple innings, so you don't need that guy in your bullpen. I think really the the best option is send down Chase and Bradford, put Swanson in the bullpen. Because you and I have both agreed that he's probably best suited for for the bullpen. Even though that he has looked good here and there in, in a couple of his starts. And let LeBlanc go back into the rotation. I think that's probably the best situation. Yeah. 
Um, I guess my issue would be is, are the Mariners ready to completely slam the door on Swanson being a starting pitcher? Um, yeah. Be- because to me, you built him up starting all this time, and then to just send him down – or I'm sorry, just send him to the bullpen and just, okay, thanks. We might need you in a few weeks uh, to, you know, for Kikuchi start or something like that. So go work out of the bullpen for a few weeks and then we're going to make you a starter again. I don't love that for such a young guy. Um, For a guy like LeBlanc, who cares? Um, By the way, the last time LeBlanc came out exclusively out of the bullpen was in 2017 uh, for Pittsburgh. He uh, threw 68 innings in 50 appearances with a 4.50 ERA, a 4.28 FIP, a 119 uh, WHIP, and 7.1 K per nine. So, uh, you know, useful but not anything too terribly exciting. Um, so, I guess, like I said, for me, I would like to see Swanson continue to start, uh, just because I don't see any reason to put him in the bullpen this year. Uh, long-term, that's probably where he's going to end up. And maybe later in the year, once he's, you know, he's on the Mariners roster, like there's no, there's no reason to not have him up. Then you can maybe start to transition him. But I, uh, I struggle with that. Cause I, I like, yeah. I think Swanson is going to be a bullpen arm and a pretty decent one. Um, but the Mariners bullpen is really stacked right now. And Swanson's one of the only handful of guys who you can actually call up and make a start for you. Uh, I mean, we saw Justice Sheffield's not really ready. Um, Tommy Malone, I, I suppose he could do that for you, but he's not even on the 40-man yet. So Swanson's really your your sixth starter right now um, after LeBlanc once he's healthy. So I just I would prefer to keep him in a rotation, and that means I have to send him down to Tacoma for a couple weeks or until there's an injury or something, then maybe that's just what I have to do. So I don't know. I you said I, I it's really I just struggle with the going back and forth thing. It's why I don't really want Justice Sheffield to be uh Kikuchi's opener or his uh his piggybacker. I just I don't see the value in that at all. So um yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I would rather have Swanson get sent down okay. if you're gonna put LeBlanc like I don't know. LeBlanc is a nice pitcher and he's definitely a veteran who can give you some, he's a stabilizing force. Um, you know what you're going to get and it's not going to be great, but it's not going to be terrible. Uh, yeah. and frankly, this rotation could use a little bit of that. So, uh, that, that one's really interesting to me. I would say send Swanson down to AAA, put LeBlanc back in the rotation. Um, my second option would be to put LeBlanc in the bullpen, keep Swanson in the row. I just want Swanson to continue to start at least for a little while longer. Um, But yeah, ultimately I think what they'll do is I think they'll send Swanson down and just make that swap. Um, But I, I I don't know. Is there really anything Swanson can do in triple a to change his profile? I don't really think so. Yeah, that was, that was the reason why I was saying like, keep them. Cause it's just, there really isn't anything left for him to do down there. But if you want to keep him, you know, starting and getting innings under his belt, then you kind of have to. It's just, it's or, a, it's a, the, what's that? It's a, or you find a way to use him twice a week for two or three innings in those outings um, at the big league level. 
just so that way his his arm strength stays up. Um, I guess the one you thing know, I maybe would say, does 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 LeBlanc need a piggybacker? I don't think he does, but I think six man rotation maybe. That's what it, that was the other option. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like I said, honestly, this the best, early though. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough. Honestly, the best thing for me, or I think the best thing to do would be to DFA Felix. Um, I just he's giving you less than what Wade LeBlanc could give you, and you're not going to be able to trade him. So, but they're not going to do that for you know sentimental reasons. Um, now, I want to ask you real quick though, mm-hmm. if say maybe this last start that Felix had was a fluke, and maybe he's still decent. Do you think a team would trade for him in July? Because the money's probably not a huge deal at that point. Does the Mariners, Mariners probably... eat all of it? Yeah, or I mean, most of, or at least like a significant amount of it. In, by July thirty first, Felix—that's two thirds of the way through the season. Twenty seven million. Felix is probably going to be owed about nine million bucks, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I don't know. If the Mariners are willing to eat seven or eight of that, maybe with a desperate team, and you probably don't get anything, but a small little bit of salary relief. Uh, maybe I just, I don't, I just think there are going to be better options that are going to be cheaper um, than Felix Hernandez. Um, but yeah, if he's a solid number four, uh, then maybe I think it's possible. Um, I just, I don't think it's all that likely. So um I would say I think like Wave LeBlanc is more likely to get traded than uh, than Felix. So right now, but it is what it is. We'll see how all that plays out. Like I said, when uh, is the Mike Leak trade gonna happen? <laughs> I feel I like know. we've been waiting on on that and Edwin Encarnacion for months now. <laughs> well, just... the, Mike, the Mike Leak trade happens once he actually puts together a few good outings in a row. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully to the Mets. Um, I'm sure he won't like that, but whatever. Uh, Incarnacion Mike deal. Jeff, Mike Leak for Jeff McNeil, who says no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Dom Smith for Mike Leak. Uh, all right. Might as well add another first baseman to the pile. Why not? Um, well, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, yeah, we'll see how all that plays out. And like I said, I, I would not rule out a trade. Obviously, with Jerry, you can't. But there are a few guys like if you can find a way to trade Mike Leak uh, before you know the next couple weeks here, problem solved. <laughs> yeah, Swanson stays in the rotation. LeBlanc takes his spot, and there you go. Um, if you can find it, if you can miraculously find a Jay Bruce trade partner, problem pretty much solved. Same with Edwin Encarnacion with the in the on the uh, Kyle Seager front, or even Ryan Healy. Yeah, problem solved. Um, so it'll be interesting to watch that. Uh, We'll probably talk about this again as we get closer to the actual day. Um, and obviously we'll talk about the moves they make once these players are actually added back to the 25-man roster. But uh, anyways, so at about the hour mark already. So let's get to our questions so we can wrap this podcast up. Um, so our uh, let's save Colton Swanson for last. Okay. Uh, save that question. Um, Jordan uh, wants to know, um, what are your initial thoughts on Mike Wright? And Ty, I'm going to see that to you because you're kind of the Mike Wright guy between sure. us. Um, I'm over. He said he has. I'm overwhelmed with the meh 
in the bullpen and he seems like a little less meh than the others. Um, so let's, let's just start with the mic. What are your initial thoughts on Mike Wright? I know you had that tweet a few days ago and you kind of liked, or you, you were interested in the acquisition at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm mainly interested because, uh, Jerry DePoto and the Mariners in general have had some, you know, luck with or or have had some success with developing these relievers that haven't, you know, had any success elsewhere. You know, Brandon Brennan, Connor Sadzik, et cetera, as we talked about when we were talking about the Austin Adams thing. So, yeah, I, you know, I like Wright. Um, I think he has decent enough stuff to succeed. I mean, that's why the Orioles stuck with him for so long. Right. Um, but it's just, you know, I, I don't uh, feel ready to trust him <laughs> at all uh, whatsoever. But, you know, he's looked OK. You know, his, his first appearance against the Rangers was a little shaky, but uh, his. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the, this uh, the last two appearances that he's had, he's been much better. You know, he's already got seven strikeouts and three innings of work, I think. Um isn't really, you know, isn't really uh, letting his counts go high is kind of just getting outs, you know, um, pretty consistently so far. So there are some things to be impressed with there, but uh, still it's such a, a small sample size that you really, we need to see more of him. Um, you right. know, I, so I, you know, I, I'm not ready to, uh, to say that he is a better option than, um, you know, say someone like um, obviously, you know, obviously he's better than Swarzak, but you know, or probably a better option than Swarzak at this point. But right. I'm not right ready now. to say, yeah, but I'm not ready to say that maybe he's better than Jason Bradford, um, yet. Right. Um. So you know, we still we still have to see because just you know his time in Baltimore was so bad, um, <laughs> uh, just so astronomically bad. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, I, I, it's a it's a wait and see game there on Mike Wright. Right, uh, like you said, he's off to a pretty good start in his Mariner career. Um, seven strikeouts with five innings, a uh, two point one four uh, FIP, in a one flat WHIP, um, and also his strikeouts or his walks are already down by uh, by one full walk per nine. So, um, like you said he's a reclamation project for the Mariners. He's always had pretty good stuff. That's why the Orioles hung on for so long. Uh, and he might be something that you can turn into something. Um, Mike Wright could be a guy that you look at in July and you go, how did the Mariners get anything worthwhile for Mike Wright in a trade? It's possible. Um, we've seen stranger things happen. He certainly has the stuff. So if the Mariners can unlock something, they've found a somewhat valuable piece. Um, so uh, Jordan, Jordan continues his question with uh, – who would you like to see with the team next year? And then who do we want gone already? Um, I'm going to assume he means the bullpen since that's kind of what the whole question was about. Um, right. So I guess I think we can knock out a few of them. Who do we want to see stay with the team next year? Uh, let's just Rowan Elias. Yes. Mm -hmm. Brandon uh, Brennan. Yep. Uh, Connor Sadzik. Yep. Pretty much it, that right? That's about it, yeah. Um, obviously, you know, barring trade, and the Mariners get a really good trade offer for one of these guys. I'll trade any of them in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, because relievers are relievers. <laughs> right, exactly. In fact, the Mariners have so many in their minor league system that 
We're talking about just throwing away Anthony Swarzak for nothing. <laughs> That's how loaded they are in the bullpen. Yeah. Um, so those three guys, and those are kind of the only three that really have any kind of control. Um, because, like I said, the other names, Corey Guerin, one-year deal. And like I said, Guerin's been better recently, but mm. no. Um, Zach Roscoff's been pretty good. Pretty good, right? Yeah. Uh, but he's, again, one-year deal. Uh, I, Mike, I don't feel comfortable whenever he comes up. So. I, I don't either, man. It's it's one of those, it's like it's the closest thing to Fernando Rodney that I've had since Rodney, where you're like, oh, man, this is going to end so badly. And then he gets the job done, and you're like, oh, well, that, that was actually pretty easy. Okay. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, Ross, I just I don't feel comfortable when he's in. But he, he gets the job done more often than not. Um, Jason Bradford, to me, is just kind of, eh. If he's here, fine, but he's not anything special. Um, he's he's a dime a dozen pitcher. Um, so yeah, and then the other guys are Mike Wright and Anthony Swarzak. Swarzak, no, you could DFA him right now. And like if right, I had to pick, we just haven't seen anything, right? He's, who do we want gone already? Uh, the only guy that I would like to, I mean, Swarzak is kind of the guy. Um, if you asked me three weeks ago, I would have said Garen, uh, but he's settled in nicely. He, you know, at the very least, he's pitching okay now. Um, Swarzak, I just uh, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, you have so many other options, and the chances that Swarzak are going to get you anything in trade pretty slim. So, um, yeah. but I mean, I don't have an issue. They're going to wait and see. Um, I will have an issue if they throw him into another high leverage spot. Uh, then it's time to then it's time to turn on the mics again and go at it. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what they decide to do there. Um, anybody want to add to that, Ty? I think we pretty much see it the same way. Yeah, no, that's um, that's about it. It's bullpen's pretty straightforward so far. Yeah, you know, you got a couple. You know, like I said, you got the foundation, Elias Sadzik Brennan, to build a bullpen out of. Um, you have three, you know, three um, late inning guys that have shown that have given you quality innings through the first five or so weeks of the season, and um, you know now it's time to you know build up the rest. Um, so everything else can really go. You know, Mike Wright, jury is still out, so I'm not going to say whether I want him to go or stay or whatever at this point. Um, but for now, he's. We'll put him off to the side and the rest can go. It really doesn't matter. I don't, I'm not going to lose sleep over Corey Guerin or uh, Chase and Bradford or any of those guys. Just Um, don't really care. You would like for a couple of those guys to be good enough that you can get anything in a trade. Um, And, you know, and Zach Ross Cup is one of those guys that might get you something because, you know, you know, relievers. Uh, right now, the the market, you know, uh, as we've seen over the last couple of years, the market for relievers is just insane. And lefty relievers that can go late innings and put up high strikeout numbers are a dime a dozen. So that's a um, that's an interesting one there for Zach Ross Cup. You might get a little more than you actually think you might get for him. Yeah, um, one five nine ERA, eighteen strikeouts and eleven point one innings. A yeah. 1.676 whip. <laughs> That's why you don't trust him. There's always guys on base. Uh, yeah. And the FIP is 402. So um, he's 
he's getting the guys out. He's a really good lefty specialist. Um, he's walking a ton of guys, though. Uh, so we'll see. But, yeah, that is definitely somebody that you might be able to turn into something in July. Um, and he actually is, I should point out, he does still have, after this year, two years of club control. Ross Cup does. Um, and that goes for a guy like Hunter Strickland, too. Uh, when he comes back, he has additional years of control as well. Um, it's been so long since we've seen Strickland pitch and everybody's last memory of him is the bomb he gave up to Mitch Moreland. <laughs> but, uh, he was, he was really good in the Oakland series. Like he looked sharp. So, um, we'll see about him and guys like Tui Valala when they come back. Uh, but just in like a grand picture thing, I, there's not a bullpen arm here that I wouldn't trade in a heartbeat for a good deal. So can they trade Brennan? Yeah. Okay. He just has to stay on that, that team's 25 man roster all year. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you just got to be on the 25 man roster for the entire year. And okay. based on how he's pitching, it's not going to be an issue. Yeah. All right. So, uh, let's get to Colton's question now. Um, it's an interesting one. We we'll have to be very careful not to give away any spoilers here, although I think we're past the time where people can complain about it. Um, well, yeah, but, even the Russo's have said you can spoil it. I mean, you know, ones. once once the trailer for the next movie drops, I think that's pretty much a good time to say, okay, uh, at this point it's on you. But anyways, uh, the reason we're talking about spoilers is, is Colton wants to know if the Mariners were Avengers, who would each player be? Now, I don't think we're going to go through the entire Marvel cast and the entire Mariners roster, but we'll hit a few of the big names here, Ty. So let's mm-hmm. start. Um, let, let's start with the, the leader of the Avengers, the pseudo leader, uh, Captain America. Who's Captain America on the Mariners? Uh, I feel it's Mitch Hanniger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's I just, do. It makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it just seems yeah. very cap like. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that one's pretty easy. Um, let's go with, and I, I think we're both going to agree on this one too. Let's. Who's the Who's the Incredible Hulk? Oh, Cornelius. Of yeah, course. of course. Cornelius yeah. Vogelback is the Hulk. Clearly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not really even debatable on that one. He uh, might honestly be the Hulk Buster armor. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, he's Bruce Banner. Um, <laughs> Uh, so let's, let's go over to, um, let's go over to Iron Man. Who do you think Iron Man is? So I told you this pre-show. I think it's D Gordon because yeah. he's just got the most swag on the, on the team. And Iron Man's typically the most swaggiest Avenger. So yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. I didn't think about it from the swaggy perspective. Um, yeah. Iron Man's tough, man, because he's got the personality uh, last year, by the way, I would have said Robinson Cano. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. This year, yeah, I just, I mean, just from lack of other options, it might be D Gordon. I just, I can't think of anybody else who kind of fits mm-hmm. that persona per se. Um, yeah. Tim Beckham's got a little bit of flair to him. Uh, I just don't think he's got that. None of the pitching staff, certainly. Um, yeah, I, I, just from a lack of other options, I guess I'd say D. Gordon is Iron Man. Um, so let's go over to Black Widow. Um, get the original six, and then we'll get a few more. <laughs> Black Widow. 
Black Widow's got to be like a really toolsy player. Right. Uh, maybe a smaller guy. Like not as physically. Maybe maybe Black Widow's like Dylan Moore or something. I don't know. Boy, we're really, really not giving <laughs> Black Widow much. Uh, like I said, the other name that, again, kind of makes sense to me for Black Widow would be D. Gordon because they're both yeah. small, they're quick, they rely on slashing, like they don't have like the big physical tools, but they're, you know what I mean? Just And, right. you know, Black Widow in the movies, she really is the best friend of most of the Avengers. Right. Like she's the one in the group that they talk to and they confide in. So, um, and I think that's D. Gordon. At least that's kind of how he's been presented to us. That's the type of guy he is. So maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe Black Widow is Marco. Ooh, I kind of like that. Yeah. Actually, let's go with that. I I'm gonna say Marco. I think Marco is Hawkeye. Um, okay. Yeah, that makes the, sense. The pinpoint control there. Um, Does Marco kill billions of people? <laughs> Because of uh, the death of his family. <laughs> I mean, he maybe. I, just, I don't. you can't see you can't see Marco with a katana just going around and slicing up drug dealers. Uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I can kind of see that. Yeah, Mar- Mar- Marco's got that intensity. He like looks like a really sweet dude, but on the mound, he like yeah. he gets pretty pumped out there sometimes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, I'll go with Marco as Hawkeye. Uh, I don't know who Black Widow is. It's just such such a tough one, man. Um, uh, last year, I would have gone with I think Denard Span. Just kind of, yeah. just kind of like the veteran, like because like Black Widow is a very she is a veteran at what she does, and she's got all these tricks and all these, you know, you know, you know what I mean. Like she's she's an assassin, a literal assassin. So um, yeah, kind of the quiet, but still friendly that, type of. You, you know, here you're kind of describing. Even though he's not very toolsy, Edwin Encarnacion. See, that's interesting because I was gonna say Edwin. I think I would name Edwin um, since the Hulk is taken. I think I'd name Edwin uh, War Machine. Okay. He's yeah. kind of got. He's got all the firepower and all that stuff, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I just I don't know, man. We'll put a pin in Black Panther. We might have to discuss Black that Widow. off. I oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. sorry, Black Widow. Um. So yeah, and then so we got the oh Thor. Thor's the last of the original six. Who's Thor? I also thought of Incarnacion for this one just because of the hammer. I, uh, you know, also Vogelback comes to mind too. Yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, Jay Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can imagine that after Jay Bruce gets DFA'd, he's sitting in his hut getting drunk with his friends playing Fortnite. So. He's beer gut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say Thor is Domingo Santana. Yeah, I like that one. Yep, that that's who I was thinking. Yeah. Um. So there we go. We got kind of the big ones out of the way. Um. There are a few more. Uh. Let's just skip her. Like let's let's just name a hero and like and just if you have somebody specifically in mind for a specific hero that we haven't talked about, let's just throw those guys around. Um. I know your favorite, and of course, the great Stan Lee's favorite is Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. Do you do you have a Spider-Man picked out? Yeah, Braden Bishop, and and here and here's exactly why. And I was thinking about this, and I had like a eureka moment while we were doing our podcast for this. The reason why he's Spider-Man 
is because you know how like Iron Man doesn't want him to become an Avenger and all that. That's yeah. like Scott's service with Brandon Bishop <laughs> not letting him play. <laughs> how dare you compare Tony Stark to Scott's service? But yeah, I'm just, no. I'm, I'm quite. I, I'm comparing the decision making. So yes, right, right. I, I think uh, uh, I like that because you know, aside from the fact that Bishop can literally climb walls and all that mm-hmm. stuff, just kind of the. I mean, Bishop's not young, but you know what I mean. Just kind of that same personality type and all that stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, I like that one. The other one for Spider-Man might be Marco. You know, it's there's a little bit of Peter Parker there, I guess. Yeah, a little <laughs> but, bit, yeah sure. Yeah. So, Different guy uh, when he's on the mound. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, nice guy when he's off of it, but when he's doing his work, you know, he's a threat. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could like that one. Um. So, like, Doctor Strange is kind of an interesting one to me. And I kind of want to say, you say Kikuchi is Doctor Strange. Um, Crafty loves you. Yeah, just kind of, you know, magical. Uh, So, I don't, I just, it's tough because, like, Doctor Strange is such a weird character. uh, But he's, turns out, very vital uh, in the MCU. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. I, Doctor Strange for me, I guess, would be Yusei. And I just can't really think of anybody else that it would be. Zach uh, Roscup is Vision. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. I'd say Zach Roscup might be uh, Anthony Swarz or uh, sorry, Anthony Swarzak might be Vision. Really useful <laughs> at the beginning of the MCU, and then for some reason after, then for some reason in the final two films, more, he's just worthless. More so just the- I'm saying just more so the way they look. <laughs> very true. The very long uh, faces and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah I can't really. No, nobody, honestly, nobody comes to mind for Black Panther. Um, nobody jumps out at that for me. Um, <laughs> Ryan Healy is Black Panther. No, I'm just <laughs> joking. <laughs> Ryan Healy can be like. <laughs> Ryan Healy and his negative 2.1 BSR. <laughs> yeah, because nothing says uh, athletic grace like Ryan Healy. Um, yeah, that's. I know. I would say that uh, Mike Leake is is uh, Nick Fury. All right. Uh, actually, I have the perfect um, comparison for for uh, for uh, Ryan Healy and Dylan Moore. Okay. Brian Healy and Dylan and Dylan Moore, Corgan Meek. One hundred percent, yes, nailed it. That is set in stone. That is absolutely accurate. Um, we should. I wish I was better at Photoshop. We could. I could keep track of these and actually make them. Um, that 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 is amazing. Yes, absolutely. Like fringy MCU characters and just kind of, eh, but they're fun and you're like, okay, like oh, yeah, they're funny. Um, <laughs> Does anybody jump out to you as Loki? Kind of the anti-hero? Felix. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Eventually Loki redeemed himself, so. Uh, yeah. Um, that's a good one. <laughs> mm, but, yeah, that's... Uh, man, Corey Guerin? They kind of look somewhat similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Garen's yeah. really good at that disappearing act. <laughs> Get into trouble and then just rabbit and gone. Okay, we're good. Okay, 
All right, Ant Man is Malik Smith. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who Scarlet Witch is. Um, I don't. I, I feel like I'm forgetting like a really big name Avenger here. I mean, I don't have anybody for Falcon or Winter Soldier. Like, like, like we got we can think of the Guardians as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't even know, man. <laughs> this is Manny yeah. Acta is Manny Acta is Rocket. <laughs> uh, oh, no, honestly, man. I think I think Rocket might be Alex might be Rocket. Scott Sir- Scott services Drax because they're both dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just cleared my timestamps for that, so uh, that's all right. Eh, we'll let that one slide. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've mastered the art of standing perfectly still, so still that I'm indeceptible to the human mind. You're moving. Yeah, that's that's totally Scott. That's totally Scott. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I almost hesitate to compare anybody to Chris Pratt. Um, the guy's yeah. just awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, all right, if Tom Wilhelmson was still on the team, that would be <laughs> Star Lord. Yeah. Or uh, or Furbush. Yeah, or Furry. Uh, yeah, I miss it, Furry. Yeah, there's not really a <laughs> there's not really a quirky guy in this year's bullpen. So I mean, that's. That's always an easy go-to for Star-Lord. By the yeah. way, we've been talking about this for 20 minutes. <laughs> so we should we should probably put a wrap on this, this podcast. This went from like this went from a really good podcast to like a 45 grade podcast. <laughs> well, I, it's Colton's fault for throwing in the Marvel question. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll blame Colton. It's, that's my go-to move, so. Yep, yep. You're fired, Colton. <laughs> Not really an <laughs> issue for me. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's going to wrap it up, guys. Uh, probably put a disclaimer in after about an hour. Just turn it off. It goes off the rails after an hour, um, which I think is just a pretty good general rule of thumb for us. Once we get past an hour, our quality goes way down. Yeah, so. we, we just we just give up. We at the you know it's, hey, if the Mariners, as long as the Mariners don't finish their games, we're not going to finish our podcast. Oh, so, there you go. yeah. So, uh, of course, next week we'll be sorting Mariners into their Hogwarts houses. So be sure to come back for that. Um, (laughs) uh, Anyways, Ty, any final non-Marvel related thoughts before we wrap up this podcast? Uh, God, uh, I don't know. I I don't have anything today. Let's just get out of here, man. (laughs) It's it's just going to go further down the hill as as the more we go. So let's just (laughs) let's just stop while we're ahead. We're like I said, we're at a forty-five grade now. Let's just keep it at that. We're we're uh, we're Julio Rodriguez right now. Whoa. Uh, Well, that's 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 what Fangraphs has him at at least. Well. Fangraphs is wrong sometimes. Um, I don't know. I'd still give us a solid 50. They said the first couple innings of this podcast, we were a 65 uh, slash and 70. Um, But obviously the wear and tear has dragged us down to average. Um, So we'll go ahead and wrap up this podcast, guys. We're like shed long now. (laughs) (laughs) Eh, You know, I've been called worse. So Um, anyways, guys, uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you guys don't miss any fabulous episodes like this one um make sure you guys follow us on twitter at soto mojo fs it is the best way to get a hold of us by far um we're also on facebook and instagram 
but we don't really use those that often. It's just not. A big... <laughs> but those are dying platforms. So. I mean, they're just, <laughs> they're just not something that we we use, um, you know, every day. So it's kind of hard for us to uh, embrace those. So if you want to send us questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, cool fan art, if you want to write for us, just just reach out for us. Reach out to us at sotomojo.com. Or sorry, Soto at Sotomojo FS on Twitter. God, it just keeps getting worse. Make sure you visit <laughs> us. Make sure you visit our website, Sotomojo.com, for all your Mariners content and all that stuff. Um, we're getting pretty close, guys. In June, after the MLB draft, we will start our trade a day series, which you guys seem to like last year. So be on the lookout for that series um, in the coming months. We also have a, a fun little prospect series we're working on, and we'll ramp up our MLB draft coverage since that is less than a month away. So, um, a lot of a lot of talk about the MLB draft, and uh, you know it's Jerry, so you never know when a trade's going to happen. So we'll cover that too. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for listening to the pod. Uh, you know, hopefully the Mariners can win a game here or there. That'd be nice. Uh, but if not, we'll be we'll talk to you guys on uh, Friday when we preview the uh, Boston Red Sox series. So again, thank you guys so much for listening, and I will see you in another life. Peace. Peace.